Welcome to Control the Controllables. I'm Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis Academy in Spain, and we've teamed up with Max Tennis Academy in Ireland. We've brought this podcast together to entertain, educate, and energize the tennis community through the different lenses of the sport that we love. From Grand Slam champions to those at grassroots level, from sports journalists to backroom staff, our aim is truly to get under the bonnet of the tennis world at all levels. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 147 of Control the Controllables. A big happy new year to all of our listeners. And this is our first episode of 2022. And what a start to the year it has been. Tennis has hit the global headlines as Novak Djokovic has taken on border control in Australia. It hasn't been the headlines that we want for our sport, but now, since we've recorded this episode, we find out today that Novak Djokovic has been deported from Australia. Now, whatever your thoughts are on this, wherever you fall, whichever side on the fence you fall on this argument, we can now finally get down to focusing on these amazing athletes that are going to do battle in Melbourne over the next two weeks. And I wish every single competitor out there the very, very best of luck. And what better way for us to start the year than to bringing our exciting, our amazing, our knowledgeable, our insightful panel of guests to discuss all there is to discuss about the upcoming Grand Slam So over to the guests, we have Mark Hilton, the former coach of Liam Brodie and Dan Evans. Xavier Melisse, who we've had with you many times, former top 25 ATP player, former semi-finalist at Wimbledon and the current coach to Lloyd Harris. And I'm delighted to say we've got two new panellists with us today. Lucy Arl, the former British number one, She was the coach to Laura Robson, to Jodie Burridge, and to many of the British players over the last few years. And now she's one of the top commentators out there. And lastly, the Piers Morgan of tennis, Kieran Vorster. He's not afraid to say what he's thinking. He's very thought-provoking in the way that he speaks. And he's the former SNC coach to Wayne Ferreira, to Tim Henman, to Dan Evans, and to many, many more. And this cocktail of guests makes for an unbelievable episode that I feel very privileged to be a part of. And I know you're going to love it. So sit back and enjoy our Aussie Open preview. So our Aussie Open preview panel, a big welcome to Control the Controllables. How are you all doing? Very well. Very, very good. Good thanks, Kenna. Good good thanks, Kenna. It's lovely to have you all. Um, A little, a couple of house rules. Actually, we always, we always have on these, on these group, on these groups is just a little hand up so we don't get too many voices coming at you. You're, you're my first episode of 2022. So I'm out of the, I'm out of the flow a little bit. It feels a bit funny here to be. To be hosting another podcast, but to the to to the listeners, hope everyone is well. Happy New Year! And here we find ourselves, the first Grand Slam of the year. And how do we not start by talking about Novak Djokovic? 
Xavier, you, you, we play the little game. The first noise that is made after I say a name, you have to, you have to lead us in. So as we stand, here we are the Friday before the tournament starts. He's been in, he's been out, he's been shaking it all about. And, yeah. and as it stands, the visa's been taken away from him. He's going to be deported unless... He can manage to turn things around on Sunday. Absolute craziness, huh? Uh, I mean, yeah, where to start? Um, I, let's just say this could have all been avoided um, by the first part, you know. It would be very easy if it wasn't all the mystery with the vaccination and all that. Um, you know, it could have just been easy. Take the vaccine and nothing of this would have ever happened. Obviously, it's a choice that everybody has. Um, which I totally understand, but, you know, it's just, it's too much. I mean, why even go through all this? Um, on the other hand, now it is getting a little bit out of hand with the immigration and the paper and back and forth. And it's, it's just, you know, it's his own fault, I think, of Novak, but now it's also turned a little bit ridiculous on the other side with take it away, let him in, take it away, and, you know. And, and does anyone does anyone have any sympathy for Novak? I have none. Zero. Even though, um, why, why, why not? At, at any point? Because, no, zero, zero sympathy for, for him as, uh, for the process that has been, been taken. And, uh, basically, if you look at all the timelines and everything, first and foremost, as an anti-vaxxer, which is his own choice or refusing to take the vaccine, which is fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, um, whether they want to take it or not. But the best message he could have sent out to all those people supporting him as, as somebody who doesn't want to take the vaccine is that he could have still... No one's saying you can't enter Australia without taking the vaccine. This is what everyone's forgetting. You can enter Australia, but you've got to quarantine for 14 days. You've got to go into isolation for 14 days. And the state of Victoria on their website, when I checked this morning, was you can come in but you, you've got to isolate for 14 days and you've got to do, your, obviously, your testing that period of time to make sure that you're asymptomatic. And then you can come into the country. And then once you're in the country, you, you follow the same rules as everybody else. But I think what, if you look at the timelines, what basically happened, and I don't know for a fact, but he was hedging his bets. He was waiting to find out if the Australian Open would give him the medical exemption to play, which obviously only probably came late late in December, which again, I find is a mystery because the medical exemption application for him to enter the Australian Open, not enter the country, should have been on the 10th of December. And if you look at the court filings that were filed, he had his visa in November. Whether you, whether, whether you vaccinated or not, he had his visa to come in. So, so why, did he not, why did he not come in early December, do his 14-day quarantine, and not worry about Preparations for the Australia, the way he's done it, his preparations are all, all up the spout. It makes no sense at all what he's done as an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Zero at all. None at all. So, so basically taking on, taking on border force to say that uh, he had the medical exemption to get into the country based, based on the fact that he had COVID um, it, what was not a medical exemption to, to get into the country. And then the grounds that the court gave him we're on compassionate grounds. The lady was like, well, what more did he have to do to come into the country? What more could he have done? So he could have come 14 days earlier in quarantine, simple, as an anti-vaxxer. 
or mm-hmm. if you wanted to walk straight in, have the vaccine. That's what uh, uh, Zav has just said. Not rocket science. Step one yeah. is do what do exactly that. Step two is then okay, I'll wait in Australia to see if I get the medical exemption to get into the Australian Open. Yeah, but I think one of those not, two steps we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are. What's not clear though, I think, in this, and it sounds like you've done your research, Fozzy. So again, I've not heard the quarantine argument. You make absolute sense with that. I think what's what's not being clear and what my understanding was of this is he was giving a medical exemption from the government. Are you saying that the medical exemption was given from the Australian Open? Because I think that's quite a crucial the, bit of information. From the Australian Open, the state of Victoria. Because, because if you, I, I guess the way that I've thought of this, and, and again, if, if I'm travelling to a country, or my child is, or <clears throat> some, somebody that you know very closely is travelling, you would think that the decision is made before that person gets on the flight. You know, you know that that would yep. be my that would be my thing. And again, I, I'm with you. It's up to people what they do ultimately on on the vaccination. That's not for us to discuss today. I don't think. But but in terms of if you are allowed in, and I hadn't thought about the quarantine, but if you are allowed in and given a visa with a medical exemption based on a certain evidence which should have been sorted before he got onto that plane, once you've then arrived, you would expect to get into the country. Okay, so, so, so basically, to, to, when, when, when you apply for a visa, it's a, tick box, it's a tick box on a computer, right? Based on what you apply for and you tick the box, your visa is granted or not. It's not actually a visa grant. It's actually an invitation to enter the country based yep. on the supporting documents that you provide at immigration, at entry. That's the difference. So you, you don't provide supporting documents when you're applying for the visa online. Okay. It's a tick box. But when you arrive at Border Force to, to get in, that's, that's basically when they say, have you got the supporting documents? And he never had the supporting documents to marry up to what was tick boxed. Well, you yeah. used to work at customs or what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to comment after. So basically, basically the only reason why I know this was, was, was obviously I had a contract in the States and, and it was with Baylor. Baylor, Baylor said to me, right, we've got, we, we, here's, your, here's your flight. We want you to come to work. But then because I had an immigration lawyer that I, I was working with here to get, to get my, my visa, they said to me, uh, she said to me, well, we can do it for you for two grand. You've got to contact Border Force in, in, in America to see if you can have an exemption to come in the country. So I emailed Border Force personally to save the two grand and said, here's my supporting documents. This is, this is, this is why I need to come in and I can do it. No, the American can. And they wrote back, visa denied. So, so what Novak, no, if Novak had contact Border Force with all the supporting paperwork saying, this is what I've got, this blah, 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 will my visa be, will my visa be denied or will it be granted? Yeah. We wouldn't have this pantomime. Yeah, because it now, that, it now doesn't look, and, and Lucy, that, I guess from your side, it's, it's great to get that, that insight from you, Vozzy, but it doesn't look good for anybody at this point. And even, I guess, the fact we're here, we're here to talk about the Australian Open. We're, we're here to talk about, you know, the pandemic is, is, is happening, but we now have an Australian Open, 50% of crowds. 
We've got a lot of superstars, amazing tennis players that are there and it's taking over conversations. I, I don't think the Australian government are coming out of this good. I don't think tennis is coming out of this good. You know, what's what's your take of it as a, as a tennis fan or as somebody who is so heavily involved in tennis? It's not. It's not a good look at all. I mean, you know, some people say that any publicity is good, but you know, it's on every news channel. It's it's everywhere worldwide, and and it isn't. You're right. A lot of people are getting the blame, whether it's Tennis Australia, then people obviously going at Novak for not being vaccinated, and then there's a loophole, and you know, with the government as well. So it isn't good for tennis. And, um, you know, we still don't know if he's going to play or not. The draw's been done. You know, the players that are in the draw, they think they're playing one person. If he gets pulled out, then the draw, if it's in time, then the draw will get changed. So they'll have a different opponent. So it isn't great. And there's actually been quite a lot of decent tennis in the, the lead-up events, but it's definitely been overshadowed. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've we've even, as, as an academy found ourselves in that eye of that storm or, or, or could have because uh, we we took some some pictures of Novak training in Marbella um, on the 31st of December. And, and the next thing that we knew, you know, 10 days later, we've got every global news station that you could ever imagine is getting in touch with us because obviously Spain has become part of that. And I guess I've seen firsthand, I'm sure there's a lot more that's going on in places other than sort of tennis academy, but I've even seen when you're involved in a news story, even on a small level, it's pretty relentless. Like you've got, there's people coming at us from all angles. You know, we've, we've declined to comment. We don't need to comment. We've certainly not done anything wrong in this situation, but it's, it's taken the world by storm. I, I hope it dies down. I hope we, when we start next week, that, we can actually finally just start talking about the tennis on the court. And, and if we talk about that hilts, you know, you take Novak Djokovic out of the draw, you know, and, and, and I guess one thing that makes that even more of a big deal in some ways, he's obviously would have been the big, big favorite, you know, going for his 10th Australian open and his 21st grand slam, that historic 21st grand slam, who now becomes the big favorite on the men's side. Well, I was convinced he was going to win it as soon as he was in the draw after all this that's happened. I mean, he's been, he's got such a history, hasn't he, of, of almost thriving on, on things going against him, people being against him. And, and when he did initially get back into the country and was allowed to basically participate what we thought he, what we thought he could, I was convinced he was going to, going to win. And, and, and I still think that if, he, if, if, if somehow he is back in this draw, he, he wins for me. Um, but then you've got to look at the other obvious candidates. I, I would probably put Medvedev as, as high up on that for me. Um, you've got your sister passes, your Zverevs, but I, I would say obviously Nadal's going to go down there and think he's obviously got his best chance without Djokovic in the draw, but I see Medvedev potentially coming through if Djokovic doesn't have a game. So you still think you still think you'll win win even with all this disruption where he focuses everything on routine and and well I, I just think I just think he'll he'll find his way into the second week and if he's there in the second week he's he's favourite isn't he I mean he'd it, it, have to he'd have to come and stuck early for me the, the the longer he's in that draw he, he doesn't he doesn't lose in Australia and I say I, I we can talk about you know I know people have talked about all these routines that he has and he's 
he, he's fixated on all that, that sort of thing. He's the best tennis player. And and if he gets on the court, he wins. If he doesn't, then then okay, then there's probably half a dozen players who, who can who can win at least. And my pick of them would be Medvedev. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all, I, I'm with you, Vozzy. I, I think there's he prides himself on that resilience. He prides himself on proving people wrong, all of those things. But winning a Grand Slam takes a lot, and I think I think we've already seen that. Novak's not just cruised to that 21st one like everyone thought he might. You know, I think I think those guys have caught him up a bit. And I think I think he's feeling the stress of that. We've seen it with Serena. You know, when you're going for that historic, that historic grand slammer, I think the the stresses that they're under, you know, and, and you would think he's not going to be conditioned. And Vozzi, I guess, from you from a physical standpoint. You know, and I guess people will be asking those questions. It's been seven or 10 days now where he's probably quite under-conditioned. You know, I remember just before Wimbledon one year, because he trains in Marbella, I was actually supposed to be playing a football match with him. He Where, where he comes, there's a grass court and there's a five-a-side pitch. And he was supposed to be coming, we were supposed to meet him. And it was probably two or three days before Wimbledon. So let's say before he was leaving. So I think it was about five or six before Wimbledon started. And he actually went for a five and a half hour bike ride up in the mountains in Marbella, you know, one week before Wimbledon started, because he said he wanted to feel that doing that amount of conditioning in, on, on what could be a five hour match. So, so from a scientific standpoint, from a physical standpoint, is he, is he going to be ready to be able to go through two weeks of Grand Slam tennis? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, from a mental point of view, he's done it so many times. He he knows he knows what it's going to take and how it's going to, you know, uh, what is needed. I think where he's going to become undercooked is is hitting in the conditions and and the heat, um, and obviously being in quarantine for or in uh, in that immigration asylum hotel for whatever it was, five or six days, it hindered his preparations. And then, I, I you know, I, I believe at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, he's back in there. So is, you know, he, is he allowed out to hit or, or, or not till, till, till the hearing on Sunday? I don't know what, what those conditions are. And then if he's playing, if he's going to play Monday, I'm sure he's going to request a Tuesday start. Um, yeah, I think the mental side, um, I think the mental side, he will be there, but yeah, he won't be. He won't be at his physical optimum going into the event based based on what's going on, and definitely mentally, he won't be. I don't care how mentally strong you are. Uh, and Xavier, we when Hilt said it there, that the last name that he said was Nadal. And I'll be honest, when I was preparing to to chat to you guys, and I wrote a couple of things down, I almost forgot to write Nadal down. So I was going through lists of potential men, potential women, and Nadal jumped in, uh, into my head. Now, he's going for that historic 21st Grand Slam as well. And it's crazy. It's almost like we've forgotten that, you know, he, he exists in some ways. He's won the pre-tournament in Melbourne. Um, he's he's Rafael Nadal, you know. So what, as someone, as Lloyd Harris's coach, you've been around the tour. You're very relevant to what's going on right now. Uh, what's the word on Rafa? Is, is he got it in him to win a hard court Grand Slam again? I mean, honestly, I think as long as he's playing tennis, you can never count out um, 
Nadal. Eh? He's just always there. The physical grind, the uh, the mentality. He always wants to win. So, and it's proven by winning Melbourne last week. So, as long as he's on his two feet and he's in the in a tennis tournament, you can never count him out. I don't care if it's a Master Series two fifty or a Grand Slam. So. Um, you, yeah, and like you say, he's going for a historical Grand Slam too, so he's going to want it as much as anybody else too. And if he's good physically, then he's he's always ready to win. Um, I agree with Hiltz. Obviously, Djokovic is the best tennis player there is uh, tennis-wise, and I think Medvedev has the best chance. But hey, listen, to beat Nadal in three winning sets is no easy matter, so... Two sets, I would say definitely no, but three sets, Nadal physically, you know, he's always there. So never count him out. Can you, can you picture it now, the final, Djokovic-Nadal playing for 21 each? You know, and I, I think the way, I think the way that the draws fall and I think they're on the opposite uh, They're side. both in the top. Oh, they're in the same, oh, they're yeah. in the same half. So, well, anyway, I, I, I personally don't think we'll be talking about Djokovic much longer. I, I don't think that he'll play. I think that that will happen. But in, in terms of... I'm with of, you, Kino. I'm with you. Yeah, I just don't see. But Lucy, in terms of you, you've had some late nights. You've been, you're commentating, I believe, and it's ne never an easy time during during this period. Um, to bring in the, the the British one, you know, we I know that we'll we'll get to Harriet Dart in in a in a minute. Um, but but Liam Brody, you know, earlier on today, six four five two down, you know, against against an unbelievably informed Russian from the ATP Cups. South, how do you say the name of of, of the guy beat today? Holtz, what's his? Sufflin. 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 Yeah, and 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 now. Say it again, Holtz. Say it again, Holtz. Southfields. Southfields. Can't help spit it out. It sounds like a dessert uh, or something. But uh, <coughs> but souffle, souffle, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but Broads is now Liam Brody through. Um, what unbelievable! And a big shout out to him. Obviously, Dave Samuel, his coach, they've done an incredible job together. And to you, Hiltz as well, who's been a big part of Broads over the years. And now he plays Nick Kyrgios in in the first round. So so how how, how do you see that one, Lucy? I mean, he's done unbelievably well, hasn't he? And I think actually probably in some ways, you know, the lockdown and all the events that we had in the UK, Battle of the Brits and everything probably really helped him. I mean, certainly all the Brits are, are much closer in that department and it certainly seems to have you know, got a little more disciplined and started to believe in himself and his game and results have, have certainly shown that. So a brilliant effort. Again, I think there was... A, a clip someone had videoed of, of him after the match and then ended yeah. up lying on the floor. <laughs> Dave Samuel pretty much on, on top of him. and He looked injured though, which looked a bit concerning actually. I don't know if anyone's heard anything since, but he looked like he's a little bit hurt. So I don't know how he's... Left knee, left below, left knee yeah, or something, isn't it? he looked like he was hobbling a little he'll, bit. So. He'll be all right. I mean, Kyrgios, as we know, he's still in isolation, isn't he, with... Uh, picking up COVID. So I'm not sure what day he's able to come out. So he's, it's going to be difficult for him to be able to play his best tennis. Obviously at home, he's going to have the crowd behind him. It'll probably be a fun match. I'm sure there'll be a fair amount of, of banter going on. And, you know, you come through qualies, you 
played those matches, you've got to be feeling confident as long as physically he's okay. So, you know, he's, he's definitely got a chance there. Yeah. But Hilton, you, you'll remember those two. I mean, that, <clears throat> that year, and me and, me and Hilton were doing a lot of travelling with the juniors that year. It was the it was the ninety fours and then those boys, then the ninety five with with Kyrgios. They were the loudest two guys in the locker room by a long way. Like they were always always going at each other. So they've they've got quite a, a long term relationship there as well, Hilter. Yeah, absolutely. And they're both massive personalities, aren't they? It it will be interesting to see how Kyrgios reacts after coming out. It's an, he, he's always put on a performance of something in Australia. <laughs> Um, and given what Broads has come through qualities, if he's if he's healthy, if he has a good few days of recovery, he can win that match. It's whether he believes he can win that match in those circumstances. Yeah. And if he and if he thinks he can win, he can win. But it's it'll be you know, Kyrgios is unpredictable. He's probably the one person who will be least affected from sitting in a hotel room for ten days. He does that pretty regularly most most weeks, um, and can still perform at an extremely high. Level. Um, let's see, let's let's see what happens, but. Bros should go in there with a lot of confidence. He's he's earned his place in the draw, and uh, hopefully he can perform. Well, they've they've played each other. I know it was doubles, but they've played each other in the Aussie Open before, in in the juniors, two thousand and twelve. When I was over there with Josh Ward Hibbert and and Liam, and in the semi-finals of the doubles in the Junior Australian Open, and Broads might not thank me for telling this story, but. At 4-3 down in the first set, Josh and Liam. Liam was serving 40 love up and he hit four double faults in a row to get broken. And I'm sitting there as the coach thinking, what the hell is going on here? Second set, three all, broad serving, 40 love up. Kyrgios hasn't missed a shot, hardly all match, especially backhand return. And broad serves three double faults, juice. Sudden death juice. Missed first serve. Seven missed serves in a row. Can't believe this. The boys are going out semi-finals of a junior slam to two games of double faults. And Broads tickles in like a 60-mile-an-hour second serve right into Kyrgios's slot backhand return. He hasn't missed one all match. And Kyrgios swings, hits the top of the net tip, stays on his side, and goes completely nuts. Knows that he should have. Knows that he should have made that return. And 15 minutes later, the boys have walked off as winners, 10-6 in the third set, um, and went on to win the went on to win the final, relatively comfortable. So, uh, if you're listening, Broads, give him the 60 mile an hour tickler into into the pack, and it, it works wonders apparently in big moments. <laughs> But Xavier, I want to I want to bring you in because as we uh, share a little another little tweet I saw today, and they seem to have a nice relationship. Is is after Broads won that and kissed the ground, and you know it was a very and we know what that means to someone aged twenty eight and everything he's been to to qualify in a slam, and then uh, Andy Murray has tweeted back to the Australian Open to say, yeah, yeah, but it's tough because he's actually moved back to, to, to British number four today um, on the back of Murray's win against a Pelka in Sydney, you know, so don't celebrate too much. I think there's a nice little bit of friendly atmosphere. And how nice is it to see Andy Murray back to not, ne- not necessarily his best, but it was only three years ago that we were all saying thank you 
retirement party, what he's given us, all of these things. And now here he is again, back at the Aussie Open. He's in a final tomorrow. Do you give him any chance at the Aussie Open? There's 128 people that have a chance. So, um, I mean, a chance to win, no. The win Three winning sets, I don't think so. I do have to say, if you look at Murray uh, two years ago and now, I mean, you see a Murray back from four or five years ago, six years ago, maybe he's fitter, he looks better, um, he's moving better again. I honestly um, saw him, I think, in Antwerp two years ago playing and I thought to myself, I've, this has to be it. This, this, I don't think this is fun for Andy to walk like this and not been able to run and not play your best tennis after everything you've achieved. But now I look at it and I see him and he actually looks pretty good. It looks solid again. He's, I feel like he's got his positive, that positive mojo back. Um, it looks good and it's nice to watch again. He looks in really good shape while he always has, but... Um, it's nice to see from two or three years ago, like you said, uh, with the surgery, I didn't think it was going to be possible. And I actually thought Wimbledon might have been his last one and then goodbye and great career. And nobody, you know, would have argued, but uh, it's unbelievable that he's still putting in the effort after everything he's been through in the, in the last years. And um, it's an achievement for him and, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, you got to take your hat off that he's still doing it and, and grinding away. So, um, chance of winning Australian are pretty slim, I would say, but it's nice to see him play on this level again. And I think he's got a tough draw first round, doesn't he? He's got um, Bazanashvili. Yeah. Again. Didn't they play last week? Yeah, the, the three setter. He's beaten him yeah. two times they've played. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can manage five sets at this level. But you know, either way, what an uh, what an achievement to be back on that level and and have that fitness, and also not be written off because I think I think we all let's be brutally honest here. I think we all wrote him off. I think I think we all thought there's no chance of coming back to any sort of real level, you know. But I think that's that's what makes Andy tick. You know, he shouts to the camera, I'm not done yet. You know, that's his that's his way. And, and I think probably quite a telling thing for me was was the change of coach this year as well. You know, and obviously Delgie's been by his side. Jamie Delgado has been by his side for a long, long time. And I think that, that kind of sent a bit of a statement out to say, well, actually, I'm starting my career again in some ways here. You know, I'm trying to squeeze that little bit extra out. Um, and it's almost, it's amazing what, like, in terms of an inspiration, he looks like a child out there that's like just starting to play the game again, you know, after all that he's been through. So um, I certainly won't be writing him off. I don't think any of us are anymore. You know, I, he does have a very tough first round. I think it'll be interesting if his body is able to bounce back after making a final the week before. He's not going to have many days to recover, you'd think, before the first round starts again. Um, and we'll see how it goes. But Fozzy, to bring you back in, it was the it was the Vozzy show to start, and we haven't had you for a few minutes. So uh, at this point, uh, what about outsiders? Any outsiders that you think people don't really know out there, people that are listening to the podcast, they might not have heard the names unless they're big tennis fans. And, and when I say outsider, not an outsider to win, but an outsider to maybe have a bit of a run. 
go to the fourth round quarterfinals. Anyone on the men's side that jumps to your mind? Uh, yeah, but I, I, I don't want to say it because obviously I love the person he's playing, but Seb Corder, yeah, uh, I think is dangerous. Uh, I mean, obviously for Cam, that's a tough first round. Um, I think he could go deep. I think uh, Alcaraz, although they're in the same half, they could go deep um, as well. I wrote um, Corder down. Corder was one of my mind, but he, he's also yeah. had COVID, huh? He's also had COVID he, and yeah, was unable to play. He, he's been in Adelaide, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was here in yeah. Florida before. He wasn't good. No, really. In, in terms of what, Xavier? I think he got some, I don't know, he got sick a little bit and couldn't really practice the way he wanted to either. I don't know if it was COVID or just a thing, but I don't think yeah, he, he didn't have the, 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 the right training before, like, before he left here. So, yeah. You don't want to play and then obviously Murray if you're not ready. Yeah, that's true. And then also Shapapalov, I think, uh, you know, although Doug is a mate of mine, I, I think, you know, he got over his COVID pretty, pretty quick. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those would be my picks in the top half. Taylor Fritz is dangerous as well. Does he have the condition? You know, a lot of that's down to the conditioning down there as well. I think Fritz could be a top eight, top five player in the world. You know, I really, that, yeah. he's the one that and Xavier is looking at me strange, which, uh, which I, so I'm going to go to you in a minute, Xavier. So I'm going to put it out there from what I've seen of Fritz. I think he's someone that can go, that can go deep, whether it's in Australia um, or whether it's a Wimbledon, whether it's a, a, a US Open. I think he's someone that can go deep and I think he's someone that can do a little bit of damage in the game. So what are those eyes for, Xavier? What do I not know about Taylor Fritz? <laughs> no, I just think physically he's not, it's, it's, it's not there. He needs to become stronger. I mean, I don't mean it's a bad way, but it's, it feels like it's still a, a, a child's, body a little bit you know he needs to put on muscle a little bit there I, I, his tennis I actually watched a match the other week and he was hitting it very clean his forearms coming off but I don't know it's just I don't think the mentality is you know to say top five whew, it's a big one you must have COVID also because you it's know. like top eight <laughs> okay yeah, no, yeah yeah a little higher but no I mean he's a great player but I just think yeah the physicality and mentally is you know to get to top five and top eight you got to be you know those two things and they usually go together physically and mentally so so, he, um, so Xavier so he went end of last year he went he went semis of Indian Wells beating Berrettini Sinners Verev the following week he went final St. Petersburg the following week, he beat Rublev Nori, lost to Djokovic quarters of Paris. He started off this year beating Nori at the ATP Cup and beating Felix at the yeah. ATP Cup. You know, that's that's a little I mean, I know we're not I know a top five needs more than more more than six good weeks, but he's he's definitely he's definitely well, a top ten form player it. right now. Yeah, he's definitely you can definitely do it, but I just you know if you want to be top five or top eight or top ten or whatever, you need to go deep into slams, and I think three three winning sets if it gets to a five setter with somebody, I don't yeah, like I said, I don't mean it's a bad way, but I don't think physically he's there to do it. Maybe one match, but to do it the, the day after again, 
against the top player. I don't think that's that's there yet. Maybe in the near future, but that's that's where kind of my point where I'm coming from. This is this is what we want on this podcast. We want opinion, you know, and I think it's it's great to get that that shared insight on that. And Hiltz, who who's your pick outsider? Who in, in the men's side? Who do you see? Who do you see coming through that maybe we haven't quite heard of or, 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 or people that aren't so close in the tennis world haven't heard of? Well, I would have said just on some form who's coming in is Kokonakis. I mean, unfortunately, he, he's he's had some real big problems physically. So whether when he gets to a slam and he's playing best of five sets, it's an issue. I mean, he's also got Nadal in the second round if he gets to his first round, which is a problem. Um, but maybe you want to play that earlier in the tournament. Um he came through a big one today with Chilich, but he's someone who, if he stays healthy, his, his, his level is very good and and can go well. I mean, when you were having the conversation with Xavier to, to mention Andy, because Andy, it seems amazing that we talk him as an outsider, but he can, he's for me, he's got a big moment left in him. And I would say that, and when I say a big moment, I mean I don't mean a, a 250 or 500. I think he can have a big run at a slam still. I think, Probably Wimbledon would be his best bet, um, but he's always performed well historically in Australia. Conditions are good for him, but he'll, he'll need to get through his matches reasonably quickly, I would suggest, um, for him to give himself a chance to go deep. I mean, I, I agree. I don't see him winning the tournament, but I see I see he can go well. And I think, don't underestimate greatness. You know, he, 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 can, he can do something which would surprise us, but wouldn't surprise us, you know? Um, and I think he can go well, he can go deep into the second week if he, if he can, if he can get through some matches reasonably quickly early on. And Lucy, you're outsider. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say Kokonakis as well. I mean, he had that five setter, didn't he last year with uh, Pass, and obviously started the year unbelievably well. I think he had a really long off season, nearly eight weeks training, um, but obviously Nadal in the second round, but if you get Nadal maybe early. Um, he's certainly going to have the crowd behind him. Andy as well. I guess is it going to be an issue? The fact that obviously having done so well in Sydney, then it's kind of back to back into into a slam. But definitely he's he's playing some unbelievable tennis and physically he's looking the best he has for a long time. I think uh, the American Cressy who made the final. Um, Nadal beat him in the final there. And I think Rindek Nash as well is someone that really had an unbelievable year. He's uh, he started the year well as well. So there's definitely some some guys in the draw that that could go deeper than they've maybe been in slams before. And Xavier, who's your outside pick? I was yeah, I was gonna go with Corda a little bit also because um, he'd been playing really well. He changed his serve a little bit, which I liked. He's putting the step on like he's a. Uh, He's moving his foot, uh, which is big for him because his serve wasn't as big as it was for a big guy, I think. Um, but yeah, um, to be honest, uh, outsiders, I don't see it happening too much, uh, you know. But like but somebody say that, has to though, because if we, if you take Djokovic out the draw, you then now the way that the men's are, you then go okay. Well, you've got your Medvedev, you've got Medvedev, you've got Zverev. You've got Rafa. Yeah. Felix, maybe. He's playing good. He yeah, looks... I mean, he, he's been talked about for a long time. It's, it's yeah, time for yeah. him to come through. 
after a while it's not outside anymore i guess so um but like you say that rinderknecht i saw him play last year and when when that surf comes through with these conditions and everything he could go pretty deep if if he believes in it obviously um you know he's a new guy so um but him being in the final this week will give him a big belief so yeah that would that would be uh, a bit of my picks no, nobody's mentioned Dan Evans. Well, we should mention Evo. He started the year incredibly well. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he has. He, he has. But what's quite interesting here is that December last year, uh, sorry, December 2020, when I was still working with Evo, he said that he wanted to take the weeks off before Grand Slams. And the reason why I wanted to take the weeks off before Grand Slams was to preserve his body, make sure that his body is in the best shape going into going into playing and and obviously that didn't happen last melbourne because um obviously he he felt you i assume he felt you're short of matches i'm not going to speak on behalf of him but he obviously won the warm-up tournament before melbourne but he won that on the sunday and then played nori on the tuesday and i just wonder that if this is going to have the same effect i hope not uh because obviously i you know i love working with Evo and, and i love following his results it's just interesting that he hasn't done what he said he was going to do. No, no, absolutely. And, and I think, but this, this is one of them. I, I've just had a little look at the draw. <clears throat> if Evo gets past Goffan, who seems to be hurt as well, he, he pulled out against Andy, he, he'll actually play against Rindinek, you know, so, and then they're also in the little bit there with Felix as well. So it's quite interesting that we've talked about those three guys uh, you'd think maybe one of those three will come out of that section. They come out of that section to maybe play an Isner or a Schwartzman. If obviously we know that seedings don't mean anything, and just I think when you look at the men's draw now, it's just nowhere near as obvious. I think you used to be able to almost pick the eight. You could almost pretty much say seven of the eight were going to be in that quarterfinal. And I look at the draws now, and I think you can say pretty confidently that Zverev, Medvedev, Nadal is a bit of an unknown because he hasn't played so many Grand Slams of late. Um, so I think there's going to be someone that's going to come out. So let's see who gets that right. Let's see if any of we mentioned a lot of names, so we <laughs> probably we probably should at least get somebody right. Um, and at the end, I'm going to get you to pick one. But but moving into your pick for the men's before we move over to, to the women's event, 15 of the last 16 Australian Opens on the men's side have been won by Roger, Rafa or Novak. Anybody know who the, who the other winner was? Favrenka. Favrenka in 2014. So, so it, it's all to play for in lots of ways. You know, it's a, it's a very open draw. I'm going to start with you, Lucy. Who was your men's pick for the 2022 Australian Open? I'm going Medvedev. Even if Djokovic is in the draw, I think um, the fact that he won the US Open last year, obviously made the final here last year and uh, got a bit of a drumming off, off Djokovic, but with how he's played and how he started the year, really. I, I know he lost to Umber at the ATP Cup, but he's my pick to win it. Kieran? I'm going with Alcaraz. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's going to be, I think it's going to be the year of the rookies. Um, and at some stage, you know, the old guard is going to have to give way. I know we've been saying this for years, but 
Nadal, Nadal's best shot of winning a slam is going to be the French Open. Um, I don't think anyone can argue that. But, but I think the young guys, they've got too much energy uh, and they have a better ability to recover. Um, and I always say that um, the ability to, to perform is dictated by the ability to recover. And I think just because they've got younger bodies naturally, I think they're, they're in better shape to recover quicker. I mean, Djokovic is a freak of nature when it comes to that kind of shit. But yeah, so I just think someone like Alcaraz and also they can shoot from the hip, no pressure, not worry about things. So yeah, he's my, he's my man. That's the sort of pick, isn't it, Vozzy, where it comes off, everyone thinks you're a genius. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't come off, everyone forgets who you said. So I, I like I, I like the uh, the low risk high reward <laughs> pick there, uh, Xavier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm with Lucy. You gotta you gotta go with Medvedev. Three sets. Um, he's physically he runs everywhere. He doesn't seem like he gets tired, and to go through him in three, four, five sets is is pretty tough. But you know, I'd say maybe it's rare. But I, I have to go with Medvedev. You guys are boring. Well, apart from, uh, from Vossi. Hilt's, <laughs> Hilt's is Medvedev. Hilt's, Hilt's always goes Medvedev on these shows. I'm Medvedev. Come on, Hilt. Come on, grow a pair. Grow a pair. <laughs> <Medvedev>. <laughs> the listeners no. are going to fall asleep with these predictions. Yeah, but boring wins, doesn't it? No, Zap, man. Come on. You've got to show some flair. When were you ever boring on the court, huh? <laughs> Uh, listen, I've huh? changed a lot there. No, shut up with those old Prince rackets. You used to snap them like they were uh, like the, like like they were Kit Kat bars. They should have put but, your but devil, de- devil devil's advocate and <laughs> at the risk of speaking to someone who was two hundred times the player I was, Xavier Melis didn't win a Grand Slam, you know, in singles. Well, well, he, he's done all right making the semis, hasn't he? But, you know, I think he it is right. Boring has tended to win over the years, the ability to to be consistent. And, and that's my pick has gone slightly against Medvedev. I see why everyone goes Medvedev. I think Alcaraz, Alcaraz winning for me will be like Raducanu winning the US Open. You know, I think it's like, yeah. it, I, I find it hard to see how it's going to happen, but it happened with Emma. Um, but I think mine is Verev. It's at some point. At some point, he has to win one. I think he's. I know people talk about him choking a little bit and he's serve falling apart a little bit, but I think he's just edging closer and edging closer. I do think he'll win a Grand Slam in twenty twenty two, and 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 I think I can see it being uh, as Verev Medvedev are they in different halves. Yeah, they're different halves. Uh, that's 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 where I think all all roads are, are, are joining, and I think Zverev has the ability to take Medvedev out. I think he he, he knows that he can. So so I'm going to go a little bit different, but maybe still somewhat boring and go Alexander Zverev as my pick. But as we as we make our way over to to the women's side of the draw, have to start off Lucy by big congratulations to Harriet Dartu. Again, and another another qualification into into the main draw. Um, he seems to be making a little bit of a habit of that, and gets the reward of Iga Swiatek in the first round as well. That's right. It's the third time that she's qualified, isn't it? Didn't qualify last year, but the two previous years had Sharapova, which that was a 
a bit of a drumming, love and love against her. And uh, then in uh, 2020, she won around, beat Doy and then lost to Halep. So she likes the conditions over there and has played well to get through the qualies, beat um, Burrell in the last round. Sriontek, obviously going to be a tough match. Um, physically, I don't know where Sriontek's at. Obviously, she withdrew from Sydney, whether that was precaution. She's split with a coach that she's been with for a while. Um, but that is, that's a tough opener, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I actually think Sriontek is is in a good place. I think she's, you know, I think actually her her coach is actually her sports psychologist in lots of ways. That's the that's the consistency in her team, you know, and I think Daria remains in place. She's she's actually gone with another Polish coach. I believe she's gone with Radwanska's old coach, who's someone who she knows feels very comfortable. I actually think she looked good at the start of the year already. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of a withdrawal to, to do as Dan Evans said he might, you know, what Vozzy was talking about. I think it was more, I've got my matches, I'm feeling good. I, I don't yeah. want to, I don't really want to have a run now. I, I want to spend a week to get myself ready because I think in her mind, she's she's ready to go deep into, into the draw. I think she was the only WTA player that made round four of every Grand Slam last year. And, you know, that's something I know is very, close to her around finding that consistency of, of performance. Um, so I, 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 as much as I'd like to see Harriet do well there, I think it's a very tough first round. Uh, but who, Vozzi, on, on, the, on the women's side, any outsiders? It's the, it's, it's the first, and this is a little, little stat for you guys, it's the first time since 1997 that we have no Williams sister in a Grand Slam draw. Um, which is which is an incredible statistic for them, <laughs> for for them. Yeah. You know, twenty five years, yeah. twenty five years of Williams. It's not that they're outsiders, but any names that that our listeners should be looking out for on on the women's side. I'm going to go with one not looking out for, but was former world number two. Nice to see her back in the main draw. Vera's won her over. Right, is she back in the draw? Yeah, she's ranked in the 80s. She's she's 37, but yeah, just. It'd be nice for her to have a good run uh, at it. Yeah, I think I think that would be good for tennis just to show that she she's uh, has come back from adversity from where she was. Uh, you know, she, we we lost her on the radar for a, a long period of time. Um, so it's nice, yeah, it's nice to see her back. So that would be my one to watch out for. And and on the back of what I said there about the Williamses, it's actually my picks or or, or my ones I'd like to bring up. Are, are all Americans. So as Venus and Serena are on the way out, Coco Goff seems like she's been around forever. Uh, you yeah. know, she's still probably only 12, um, but she's, <laughs> it's like, it feels like she's ready to become someone who we take a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Madison Keys uh, actually beat her in a fantastic match earlier on today. Um, and once Keys finds her level, she's she's very tough to beat. And the one that I really believe could be good if she gets everything right off the court. I remember watching her in Wimbledon Juniors play against one of my girls a few years ago, and I couldn't believe what I saw in terms of ball striking ability. And that's Anissa Mova. And, and I think she's someone, she finds her form 
you know, don't be surprised if you find her in the semi-finals of the Australian Open. You know, so those I'm going, I'm going American. I don't, I don't know what you think of that, Lucy. Yeah, I mean, Anna Samova, obviously, she she won in Melbourne, didn't she? Set two, I think, there um, beat Sasnovich in the final semi-finalist at Roland Garros a few years ago. She yeah. obviously lost her dad. It's had COVID. There's been a few ups and downs for her. I mean, unbelievable player. I, she was the same age as some of the players that you work with that when yeah. I was coaching that age group. So I've seen her play a lot as a junior. Darren Cahill. Bit of the draw. Darren really. Cahill in her team now. With her, yeah. Um, could be Bencic second round, then Osaka, then Barty. So she's in that bit. So it's a difficult section of the draw for her to come through. But I think she's going to have a really good year. Agree with you with uh, Maddie Keys. She's not been in a final for, I think, since Adelaide um, 2020. And she is dangerous. Whether she's got the consistency, obviously, done well at the, the US Open and done well here. Um, so I agree with you with those two. Um, there's probably, we could say, about 15 other women, to be honest, that yeah. could have a shot. I mean, what we saw, obviously, at the, the US Open. And it's tough to pick on, on the women's side. It really is. Can I? Lucy, sorry, sorry, Lucy, just real quick. Is Maya Sharif the first Egyptian woman to play in the Australian, in a Grand Slam? Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that she is. She's up against uh, that's her. A, yeah. Yeah. So it's a huge achievement there. I just wanted to point that out as well. Massive. But I, Vozzy, I want to I want to take this to Xavier because uh, my guys that helped me on the podcast are going to hopefully find this audio as we sat here having this conversation last year. And Xavier told us that Osaka was going to challenge Serena uh, for winning for winning twenty plus Grand Slams, and she was going to dominate women's tennis. It hasn't quite worked out that way, Xavier. Um, does does Naomi start back up? I I have a little insider. I won't give names, but a, a couple of a couple of good friends of mine and coaches are out in Australia, <clears throat> and the word tanking tanking practices came back to me. It doesn't seem like Naomi is is over there with a full focus on her tennis. Uh, she's obviously had a, her own mental battles. Um, but how, how do you see that one? Uh, I mean, that stuff, I don't really know. I, I don't know what's going on there, but, um, you know, at some point um, I do get a mental toughness and, and you can be mentally tired. That's, that's all good. But at some point you guys say, okay, enough of that. Uh, figure something out, get people around or throw people out, um, you know, whatever you need to do. Uh, to strengthen your theme again or whoever's around um, just to get back to the pleasure of tennis because you know at the, the basics are you start playing tennis because you love the game so we all did so you know if it keeps continuing then there's a bigger problem I think than just the mental side so you gotta you know, address the issue. And it's, but like I said, at some point, you just got to say, okay, it's time to enjoy again, get these people, this one out, this one in, this is how I'm going to do it. And, you know, if you mentioned tanking practices, um, I can, I, I, I know a little bit about that. So um, you're usually not in the right place. So I've never had a week where I tank practices and then went on to win a tournament of play finals. So 
um, you know, it starts in practice. It starts in your private life. If you're happy, you play better, you practice better. Everything is, is one circle. So if I hear the word tanking practices, then I don't think we should be expecting too much. Zab, Zab, just on that, on that, you said a couple of important points there. Should, should, should then the, the, the staff working for her, if they're tanking practice, have some integrity and say either you buck up your ideas because they're obviously in the inside or we walk. Yeah, because a great, sure. a, great, a, great, a great message would be if you're coaching them and, and not, and, I mean, it's easier said than done, but there's coaches out there and there's trainers out there or there's people out there working those positions because they just love those positions. But being able to go, actually, you know what? I can't handle this anymore. I'm yeah. walking. I think if you have the right person, <laughs> the right person will walk away. And if she knows that that's the right person, she will go back. And maybe that's how you get back to, to being your, your own self. Because if you have, you know, there's so many guys that just, like you say, they want to keep position. We get paid big money and everything's good, but that's not going to help, is it? So I think they should walk away or give a message in some kind. And maybe, maybe if there's, let's say there's three people around, you have an agreement with all these three people. Listen, if this is thanking practice, we all three walk away. So maybe she gets a, a bigger wake up call. I don't know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have, yeah. if you, I could say that if I would have that with Lloyd, I would probably say, listen, I'll walk away because I care for him because I want him I to be better to get back to yeah. normal. So I think I understand. That would be the right plan. Yeah. And also, but then also plus, sometimes, but sorry, sorry, you know, but, but just on this point, but then also I, I've said it from one side of the fence. The other side of the fence is the player could be tanking because they're not happy with the support stuff, but just don't have, don't, don't have the balls to to fire them or get rid of them at this moment in time. So it can be both ways. I'm not saying yeah, it's one course. way. But then you should throw them out anyways. That's what I was getting at with if you're yeah. not with the right yes. people, just get them yeah. out and get somebody that yeah. will. Or, yeah. or, work, or work with them. Because I, oh. I, I guess I guess tanking tanking is is a way of masking the pain that you are feeling. Is it, is yeah, it, but if you tank general. once or twice, then it's okay. But if you keep tanking the whole time, then you have to. Yeah, but but I but I but I think also our jobs as as tennis coaches, as fitness coaches, is is also to understand the psycho psychology side of the game, and 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 I think you know tanking will be a little bit of a cry for help, a little bit of a plea. You know, they're they're struggling. By the way, ultimately. that's not my dog. That's not my dog barking. This is unbelievable. <laughs> my, I, it's it's a funny world. It's a funny world, isn't it? It's karma. Karma is a bitch. Karma is a bitch. It's karma. It's karma. <laughs> It but, sounds like an immigration dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I just think there needs to be a little bit of, I mean, if, if the player's not willing to work on that side of the game, but on the on the mental side of the game, tanking will tend to be the player, the player masking or or walking away, not wanting to deal with something head on. You know, and if that's whatever that is, that could be an array of an array of things. And I guess there's different strategies of working on that. So if it's if it's one practice session, okay. But if Naomi's obviously doing this over a long period of time, but I guess there's probably a deeper, a deeper thing going on here that is more life related than tennis related. And and that's where it's also it's also very difficult. But that's that's going into a different field. Hiltz, I want to bring you into. Uh, this conversation. Is she an outsider? I don't know. But Emma Raducanu? Um, I mean, 
yeah, she would be an outsider. But I, it sounds ridiculous to say that, given the fact that she won the US Open. But to, you know, the reality is she 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 still hasn't got any experience really of 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 competing on tour, um, consistency of playing week in week out. However, we, we we've all seen what level she can play at, and there's no doubt she can go out there and and go really well. You know, she's proved that and. Um, there's a chance. I mean, I don't know. I didn't see her play last week. I saw that it didn't quite work out for her. She's obviously starting with a new coach. That's new. Everything is new for her. There's nothing which is is going to feel normal. So I think with the with the expectation of what's happened, um, and I know she she's, the way she's been communicating is to sort of try and alleviate some of that expectation. And she, she has a tough draw as well. I mean, it's going to be tough for her, but there's no doubt she can win matches there. I don't think anyone could say that she couldn't. Um, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to follow her over this next 12 months, isn't it? To see how she can um, progress. Um, she's got a long, a long career ahead of her where she's going to have a lot of success, but it wouldn't surprise me if it took a little bit of time just to to settle, especially with, with everything that's new for her. Yes, well, just more. on that, just, sorry, just on that. I, I, I mean, obviously, for, for the first time for me ever, that I, not yeah ever actually, I was captivated by the U.S. Open. In fact, I had no interest watching the men's game. I, I, I was really enthralled and I was really engaged on, on watching that women's tennis. And quote me and and sh- and tell me what your thoughts are on this. Hilt is that I don't think that the girls had worked out how to play Emma and every match that I saw her play, they thought they could hit through her. And, you know, if, if she had come across like an Ash Barty who was slicing and dicing, I think, I think they would have found out. And I think basically what's happened is a lot, of, you know, the, the teams and the girls have gone away and done their homework and, and, and found and found out how to play her on the same breath, the, the level of expectation of where Emma Raducanu is right now and where the reality is of where she is at, I think is two different things. I think it was an outlier, her winning the US Open, and it's fantastic. She's, she's a Grand Slam champion, but she exceeded expectations and her actual level of game is, is not there to repeat that slam after slam after slam. And there's a lot more development that she has to have in her game moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I agree. But I, th- I think winning the, the last slam of the year was good for her. Gives It's the, it's the slam that gives her enough as much time as possible between the big the next one um and i think what she has proven not just with the us open but with wimbledon as well that she she loves a big occasion and so to to write her off to go and perform in australia would be wrong she, she um how, whatever her build up's been um it, it's maybe players are going to become more familiar with her work her, work her out should we yeah. say more tactically but yeah she clearly loves the stage, and if she go, if she starts well in that event, she'll still be tough to stop. And as Lucy alluded to, there's there's a lot of players in that draw who can go really well, and, she, and she's got to be one of them. Um, but as I say, I think most interestingly, she, it wouldn't surprise me if she went out early. It wouldn't surprise me if she went yeah. deep. I think the big but thing why... you said there, Vozzy, just quickly yeah. is is yeah. outlier. It was an outlier. I think, and that's yeah. exactly right. And I think you know we. I'm a big believer that people have a range of level, you know, so I talk to juniors about this all the time, you you know, on your bet, I've worked with players that on their best day, they might play at 150 in the world, 
But on their worst day, they pay 20,000 in the world. But actually, kind of none of them matter. What matters is your your average, you know, what you're going to right. bring on a, a average on your day-to-day day basis. Day in, day out. Day in, day you know, out. Yeah. Absolutely. And that will ultimately be your ranking in the in the long run. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and everything that we're doing as, as coaches, you know, in, in the fields that we're all in is to try and drive that average forward. You know, and, yeah. and, and I think if we take Emma at the time of US Open, her average was probably 70, 80 in the world. Her bad day was maybe 300 in the world and her good day was number one in the world. And, yeah. and she probably happened through matchup and through momentum and through low expectations and through everything that comes with that to play at the very high level of her range for, for, for a week, <laughs> which doesn't happen very often and has then come out as the US Open champion, which is, it's, it's for me, it's, it's, a, it's a Roy of the Rovers. It's a Leicester City winning the Premier League. It's a, this crazy story that we watched happen. Whereas in reality, going back to what the average is, it's probably, and it might have improved a bit, but it's probably 50, 60 in the world. So, so that's, I think, how people... Yeah, so I think we have to view her as that. You know, so I would, I personally think that Emma Raducanu is an outsider <laughs> because if we look at the US Open, yes, she seeded 2021. Um, but, but in reality, you know, for if she plays her average tennis, she might win two or th- two matches, three matches at, at, at best. If she catches fire form and manages to play at that top range again, then you start asking maybe her average has moved up because her ability to do that grand slam after grand slam after grand slam. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating story. I think Sloan Stevens' first round is very interesting. You know, recently married. Yeah. yeah. Slo- Sloan obviously can, can. Yeah. So, 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 so she's going to be in a, she's like, I mean, she's going to be in a good place um, and, and mentally happy. But one thing I can't, I, and, and maybe Lucy or Hiltz can, can, can dive in here is I don't understand how, somebody who wins a grand slam and, and is very, very content and happy with the team around her, then dismantles it. I mean, what was the reason why you, you get rid of Andrew Richardson? And uh, is that, is that a, a, a two sides of the fence? Maybe he wanted, demanded something that she couldn't deliver. But I think it, it just wasn't uh, the flim flam of what she wrote about I need someone, you know, who can take me to, you know, who's 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 a proven a coach, who's a proven proven track record on the women's on the women's side. For me, it's just bullshit because you just work with a coach you've won a won a Grand Slam with. So, you know, I, I, obviously, I'm talking from the outside a little bit in here, but you know, Hiltz or, or or Lucy, if you know more, could you clarify that or put me straight back in my box, please? <laughs> Well, we can do that. I've not spoken to to Flex. I mean, it it did seem a strange decision. I mean, obviously, it had only been that run in the States that she'd been with with Flex, although they'd obviously done work together when when she was younger. She'd obviously done well with Nigel, who'd been involved with her for quite a while um, as a consultant more. And then he was with her through the grass. I mean, she played unbelievably well at Wimbledon and then yep. in ridiculous what she did. I mean, she's only actually played six matches since the US Open. And yeah. I think she said she didn't pick up a racket for 21 days, obviously getting COVID in Abu Dhabi and, you know, the lead up to the US Open. She did come through the quali. She made the final of the 125 in Chicago. she made quarters of the 100K in Landersville and, and then obviously what she did 
at Wimbledon. So there were quite a few matches in there. And I mean, again, I think we're all maybe reluctant to to write her off and say that that she can't do do well because I mean she's unpredictable, isn't she? I mean, what she did at the US. Yeah. I mean, she's the real yeah. deal. I mean, the concern is you know, physically and, you know, the amount that she's been able to spend on court, I think yeah. that is, is going to be tough. Um, but in some yeah. ways, Sloane might be an okay first round. I mean, you never know which Sloane Stevens you're going to no. get. And yeah. she's not played a whole heap of tennis, obviously got married, as you've mentioned, on New Year's Day. This is going to be her first match. So it's going to yeah. be really interesting, but I think maybe... And might be a little undercooked, but um... Vozzy, it's a it's a it's a bad decision, and 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 I think uh, it ultimately and look, history will will tell us whatever history will tell us, but in in terms of in any field, let's remove almost this being yeah. this being yeah. tennis. It yeah, there were so many things changing in her young life. The yeah. second she won that U.S. Open, the, so many changes, so many. You know, inst- instantly. I mean, we were actually me and Evan Hoyt were watching her Insta. Bit sad, actually, this. But we decided to watch her Instagram followers, and and it went like it was crazy. It went from like a hundred thousand to like two point five million in in a few hours. You know, like and, a fruit and, machine, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And and that was her her life was turned upside down. Now you would think when your life turns upside down like that you want to have some strong core consistencies and pillars in place you know and and that would be you know even if it's someone to get you to the end of the year even if it's someone just to see you through that now again i don't know emma i guess i can probably speak a little bit more freely on this i think it's very clear to see that that is that is father related you know, look, his ultimate his daughter's worth millions now, and they've won a Grand Slam. So who am I to tell him he's gone the wrong way? But I think if you go back to Emma's junior days, that's how he worked. You know, he's the real leader and driver of that bus. Um, and and for for whatever reasons he's made th- those decisions, uh, I I just think having a little bit just more consistency, just to not rock the boat in certain areas might have been good for her in that period of time. Um, obviously, time will tell with that if it's come now to having a new coach at the start of the year. I almost wouldn't have minded that, you know, keep flex all the way through to December and then move to another coach. It was more for me that there was that six, eight-week period where there was actually a vacuum where nobody picked it up. <laughs> you know, she was travelling a little bit with Jeremy Bates, who's Katie Bolter's coach, you know, just to fill a couple of gaps there a couple of big topics, guys. I think Djokovic and Raducanu. I think they're, they're global topics. But just to, just to pull you guys back in, because I know we we don't have so long. Xavier is probably playing golf in a minute or something, but he'll be doing. You know, he's at a beach tennis tournament. A beach tennis. Hey, <laughs> there we. This guy loves this guy's life. I, I want your life, Xavier. Um, <laughs> but if we if we we go into your pick of the winners, um, I think Ash Barty's the one that will come out very strong in this knowing some of your selections that you guys have. Um, who knows where Vozzy's going to go with this? This could go, <laughs> this could, this could, this could go, this could go anywhere, but um, a little, a little statistic, because I know you guys love my statistics to lead you into this. Um, it's 43 years since there's been an Aussie home winner at the Australian open. Um, you know that we know that from Andy, from Tim, 
from, you know, over the years, Joe Conta carrying that on your back as a Brit wasn't easy. The Aussie media is very similar to the British media. I would imagine there's a hell of a lot of expectation on Ash Barty's shoulders. What do you reckon, Xavier? Can she handle it? Is she your pick? No, she's not my pick. I think she can handle it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, like, uh, you know, I think they have figured out the game a little bit. You know exactly what you're going to get from Ash Barty with the slices and the mixing up and stuff. And it's not easy, like you said, with the playing with that pressure of almost having to win anything besides not winning the slam is almost a disappointment, which it wouldn't be, but still for her. Um, but I'm going to go for my pick with this. I'm going to go with Sakari because she's in good shape. She can handle the heat. She fights till the end. She plays well. So, um, so yeah, I think she has a good chance. She always fights. It's not always the prettiest, but she finds a way to win. So um, that would be, uh, that would be my, my pick. I'm going to go on Jabba. Um, and that's also because my good friend, Yevgeny Kapelnikov may be working with her. In fact, he went to Tunisia to work with her, but uh, she got COVID. So he turned around and went home. And but Yevgeny um, is going to take her to the casino. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. In the golf course now, mate. Um, yeah, so that's a bit of an emotional pick there. Um, but, but yeah, um, if it's not her, I think Muguruza. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You only get one. None All right, this, I'll go Jabba, Jabba, Jabba. I'm going to go on Jabba. First, <laughs> okay. first, first um, Middle Eastern girl to, to win a slam. And why, and why not? Why not, indeed? And, and Lucy, Lucy's party, I can feel it. Um, did you know oh, that, that she, she pulled out of... Yeah, I did, yeah. Sydney with a lower back. Oh, that's on Jabba. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and... and go with Barty, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I think it's her time. I think, um, you know, she obviously won the French. Winning Wimbledon, that was huge. Semi-finalist here before. Um, I'm going to think last year she lost to Mukova, having won the first set pretty comfortably. So I think she's learning from those things. She's got a great perspective um, or outlook on life. She played great in Adelaide. She's serving unbelievably well. And... You know, you look through her results, she didn't lose too much last year and you obviously finished the year early to come back to, to Oz and she's picked things up pretty quickly. And yeah, I think I think she's going to deal with things. I think uh, she's ready to win it. Boz, I'm going to disappoint you, Bozzy. I'm not going to go Ash Barty. Um, oh, Hiltz, come on, baby. <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. Let's hear what you got here. I'm going to go Schwantek. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I I know she's she's obviously won the French, but I actually think she's geared up to play probably some of her best tennis on a hard court. I mean, the way the skill she's got, um, the consistency she's had in the slams, obviously. I know she hasn't gone... Um, what do you say, Kino? She went fourth round in everyone last year? Or... At, le- at least fourth round in everyone. Fourth round. I know she didn't go much deeper than that, but... No, I think she might have made a quarter. quarter yeah, or two. I just feel like she's, she's going to be in a good spot. Like you said, she's probably taken this week. She feels good. Uh, and to be honest with you, I like the way she plays tennis. So that's that's my main reason. I like the way Ash Barty plays. But I go with her. The one person I was going to yeah. suggest is not an outsider, um, given ranking, but to to go well, really well in a slam. Um, and I don't know how deep she's gone. Maybe quarters is is conservation. Probably finished the year 
one of the strongest last year. Um, she started working with Tursonoff, didn't she? I think around the summertime, and she had a real upturn in, in level and, and winning. And it wouldn't surprise me if she went very well. I I think she's in in the top three or four favourites for sure. Yeah. I I didn't I didn't see it happening. I don't I didn't think she moved well enough. I thought people would just would find her out and she wouldn't be someone because she's been around for a long time. Again, she was a junior when we were traveling Hilts. You know, we saw a lot of her, um, but it feels like she's hitting it unbelievable. I think we have to also mention Krajakova. Um, I hate to say it, but she, it's a, she's a bit boring, so she doesn't jump out. So, you know, but she just like, it's almost annoying that she's winning because she doesn't bring that excitement. I think, you know, we like the Sakaris, the Bedosas, you know, these players, you know, add, add, bring a little bit more spice. Obviously, Barty does on the court. Um, but but my pick is Rybakina. And, and, and talking of the Radicanu thing, I also think she was incredibly unlucky who she played because I think, I think this girl can seriously play. Um, I can see it being of someone of that ilk that maybe isn't, isn't one of the, one of the top, top players, but is, is coming into form. And, and that is my, that is my pick for the, for the women's side guys. So before, before we close off, I just want to, I, I think having people with your experience guys, is there any insights for people to look out for in the Aussie Open? So I'll, I'll get you started. So there's um, one first round that's jumped out at me and people wouldn't know this, but Azarenka, who again, nobody's mentioned, but Azarenka, former boyfriend, was Redfu, uh, the guy <laughs> the, the guy with the big hair. Now, one thing that's really interest, been interesting to me and it's got a personal interest to me is she plays Pana Udvardi in the first round. Now, Pana is someone I coached for four or five years. Now, Pana over the last two years has been sponsored by Redfu. No way. <laughs> So he is currently Pana's sponsor. Um, I think the breakup with Azarenka back in 2014 okay. was a bit of, wasn't a good breakup. Um, so that so now in the first round, what might seem like a bit of a nothing match <laughs> actually is he's playing Azarenka's playing against the Pana who's whose sponsor is Redfoo. So look out for that first round match. I think that'll be a, a really interesting one. A, a bit a shout out to Pana who had an incredible end to last year, went from 310 up to 95. And also to Pete Bothwell, another one of the players that was at the academy with coach for a long time, who's coaching her. So it feels like there's a little bit of a close link there with sort of tennis academy. Um, but a big good luck to, to that match. Is there any little stories, guys, that the listeners can look out for that maybe we haven't, we, we wouldn't get that sort of knowledge if we were watching on the TV or, or anything like that? There's a lot, but it's not suitable for podcasts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much because I've been out since uh, after Union Wells. I didn't travel anymore, so I'm pretty much out. I did play tennis with Red Fu in Marbella, and he was thinking of coming on the tour, <laughs> which was really funny. Did he he play? was playing tennis with golf gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, well, it was it was fun, but uh, yeah, I don't have too much insights because I'm only star. I had I'm gonna have. Four four months off after when I start again. So and what about Lloyd? What about Lloyd? Obviously, you're still you're doing 16, 18 weeks with Lloyd Harris. Uh, still, obviously, a big part of his team. 
Um, how is how's he prepared? How how do you think he's gonna go? Uh, it's not been the preparation that we wanted. Um, obviously, with Omnicrom being discovered there in South Africa, they closed everything, and he was in South Africa for his sister's wedding. Uh, then had to was going to practice in Dubai for three weeks off season. That was impossible. Um, so they flew to Zanzibar with Anthony Harris, uh, the the you know the other coach that I that we do it together with, um, and his physio Karen. Then flew three days to Dubai because he had been in Zanzibar for two weeks. The day before gets COVID. His coach and physio have to go back to South Africa. He stays in Dubai until he could fly out. Then he arrived two days before Adelaide tournament. No practice, nothing. So it hasn't been very good. But, you know, many players are in the same situation, I'm sure. But being from South Africa and being there at the time definitely didn't help much. So um, it's been a bit of a struggle. But, um, you know, he's young and pretty, very good mentally. So, and the draw is not too bad. He's seeded this year. So um, he's got a good draw. Um, to start with, plays wildcard to play maybe Nishioka or a qualifier. So it could have been worse. So, um, you know, hopefully he can get through the first round, pick up confidence and uh, and get the ball rolling again. Very good. Well, good. good luck from all of us, Xavier, to Team yeah. Lloyd. And Vossi, I'll, tell you what's going to, I'll tell you what's going to be a boring match. It's a Polka Anderson. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, not just are they challenging Cressy. vertically, challenging themselves, but oh my god, Cressy Isner as well. Cressy Isner played yeah. first round. Well, I think I think the be- the best news that's come out today. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Is that Netflix have commissioned a documentary, haven't I they? Saw on, that. Yeah. ATP tour. So oh, that which will come out next year. Which and and it, and I think they they started filming in Australia. So it's going to be um, that's something to look forward to. That's something which is. That'll be really welcome, and I think just to just to put the platform of the sport up higher, and you've seen the, yeah. the, the, the what it's done to Formula One. I think golf are doing it as well. Yeah. That's what about new. the ITF? Yeah, so no, so this is this That'll is the good. ATP, WTA, and the four Grand Slams are due to announce shortly a brand new collaboration with Netflix. But imagine like Netflix on the ITF 15Ks. You know that would be that would be some <laughs> viewing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I mean, to get the real, to get the real side of tennis as well. Well, that's good. That's good. Something to look forward to. And um, Lucy, what, what have you got for us? Something that you, you couldn't say, something that you couldn't say when you're commentating in these big, on these big platforms, you know, control the controllables is where, you know, these things can come out. No one really listens anyway. You know, what have you got for about us? that? I mean, um, there could be, maybe be a record that was broken some of you might remember I think it was was it 30 something double faults that match Kornikova ended up winning in Australia quite a few years ago well Sabalenka I don't know if you've been watching some of her matches I think in her last four matches she served I think it's 74 double faults she's lost her first two opening matches resorted to the underarm serves like she's got the yips on the serve big time wow so I presume that match is a record for Kornikova, the amount of double faults she said. So Savalenka might beat that. So that might be something to keep an eye on. Hiltz, they can't be talking about our Anna Kornikova like that, can they? Uh, have you, <laughs> no. got, you want to you share the story from you uh, share the story from Tarbs? 
under 14, <laughs> Le Petit Ass with Anna Kornikova. No, 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 no. Another time. <laughs> Another time. Just leave the uh, listeners like hanging on that one. That's you know, when when you start when you start associating yourself with associating yourself with Anna Kornikova, it's good news. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> let's pretend it's what they think it is, not what it, not what it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> and Vozzy, you you haven't given us a, a, an insight or something to look out for. No, uh, to, to be honest with you, um, I haven't. Uh, my my leaks of information have been pretty quiet with with the Novak stuff going on, and then I've been uh, heading to in in a big way into the whole Novak saga, which which has become a pantomime. So I unfortunately are going to be boring and say that I, I have no scoop or information at this moment in time. You have any but scoop I, but on Kane behind you? Because he's my captain for the week. Yeah, he's the man. Huh? He's the man. <laughs> he's, he's got man. two games. Two games. I'll be yeah. careful. The, the, the Arsenal just, one's going to be cancelled. Yeah, it's going to be cancelled with COVID. I've just seen that. Yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I brought Madison in. 20 minutes later, yeah, Leicester too. got cancelled as well. Leicester's no way. Been yeah. So we've got <laughs> yeah. fantasy football scoop, guys, but no Aussie Open scoop. A, a couple of a couple of small ones, then I have one quick-fire question for you all. As you know, we have the quick-fire round of Control the Controllables. A couple of small little ones I'd like to mention. The juniors are back. Uh, 2021, the juniors was, was missing from the Aussie Open. You know, always a great, great event. You know, you're you're watching future champions, you know. So I think that that's always interesting to see how that goes. And I think for, for the juniors to get to experience that is is incredible. You know, we sh- we have to think about them missing out on that over the last few months. Um, the the crowd, I believe, is going to be 50%. So it's not quite full stadiums. It's going to be interesting how, how that develops. I know poor Craig Tiley last year had all of that to deal with this year he's had the Novak saga to deal with and 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 my last my last one just on a personal level Carl Mai's our performance director at sort of tennis academy I don't know if I told you that Xavier but we need to I speak. saw it you know social media goes quick he tells us stories about you all the time um, so you're, you're now you're now in our academy very much so uh Carl is over there with Zidanezek uh, tomorrow is a Danzek, so a big good luck to, to, to those guys in the event. And then Rasheen Gilhenny, a young Australian girl with Mike Digby, one of our coaches from the academy and the juniors. But my my final question, guys, quick fire round. Yes or no answer. Starting with you, Lucy. Will Novak Djokovic be playing the Australian Open next week? No. Kieran? No. Xavier. No. Mark Hilton. No. <laughs> I feel like Simon Cowell coming in here at the end, but that's five no's from the Australian Open panel. Uh, guys, what a pleasure it is just to see you all to, to chat to you, tennis, get these stories. Uh, I massively appreciate it. Uh, all the best for, for 2022. I will hopefully be bringing you back on in a couple of weeks to review if we can put an hour aside it'd be great to talk at the end of the event to see how wrong you all were with your predictions and to talk about what i'm sure is going to be an unbelievably entertaining 
next couple of weeks in Melbourne. So a big, big thank you from me, guys, and also all of the listeners at Control the Controllables. Thank you, guys. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for having me. I could sit and talk to those guys all day about tennis. Uh, I loved it. I, I hope you did as well. I hope it's got you into the spirit I know it's not an easy Grand Slam to watch. It's often in the middle of the night, but it's always a fantastic way to start the tennis calendar. And now you know. You know our predictions. So we want your predictions. You send them in to our Instagram page at ctc.podcast or you can also email us ctc.podcast at sototennis.com. Or you can find us on all platforms under Soto Tennis as well. And if you send in your predictions, we will share them. You get it right. You get a few little ego points with you with your mate to say that you managed to predict the winner of Australian Open 2022. So we look forward to hearing from you from that. And also, who's going to be the first person to like, rate, review the podcast in 2022. We do massively appreciate everyone that's got involved in that and continues to share and spread the word of Control the Controllables. You know, our love goes back to all of you who are listening and we're wishing you all the very, very best in 2022. We're two episodes away from our big 150 for our 100th episode, we had Nick Bolletieri, who didn't disappoint. And I think we might have another American who won't disappoint. So make sure you are looking out for that over the next couple of weeks. But until next time, I'm Dan Kiernan, and we are Control the Controllables. Control the Controllables.